Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, welcome back to Author News Weekly. Thanks for joining us. I'm a slightly under the weather R.A. McGee, joined by Pippa. Was that was that it? I thought you were going to say my last name, and I was no, <laughs> no. I thought I would say Pippa, and you'd go hi, hi. Uh, thank you, <laughs> Nick. What's up? Oh wait, hi, and, and Jim. Hi. Mm. Look at that. You guys are awesome. That's perfect. All together, that would be a minor triad. <laughs> so in any event, we have some wonderful stories that we're going to be going through today. And they are kind of a continuation from last week's written word media article of the top eight publishing trends for 2022. And we're going to see how many of them are reasonable and how many of them are BS. So you guys are going to be the truth meters on this thing. So we're going to jump right into where we left off. I think I'm supposed to call for the news drop now. My man, my man was on it. I'm glad you're excited about it though. That's, that's what really matters. I am. You don't, you can't tell, but on the inside, I'm <laughs> bursting with deep, enthusiasm. Deep on the inside. Deep on the inside. <laughs> Way down low. All right. So let's see. The trend that we're going to go with right now is, I don't even want to mention this because I hate this word, but <laughs> book talk goes mainstream. The buzz has been building around TikTok as a new marketing platform. And 2021 was the year that book talk hit its tipping point. TikTok seems to be here to stay. And in 2022, authors will recognize the value of the platform. So I know that we've mentioned this a couple of times before, and I think a few times I felt real like Clint Eastwood, Gran Torino about it. Like I want to run people off my lawn and stuff, maybe in a slightly racist way. I'm not sure, but it looks like I'm not going to be able to get away from this book talk. So are you guys planning on trying this this year? And I'll, I'll start with Pippa because I know that you were going to test the waters about this before most of us. So since you were the intrepid soul, what do you think about book talk? I've done a couple of videos on TikTok and I have not been part of the like, oh, I just tripped and got 10,000 subscribers. So I may be doing it wrong. It's quite possible. I do enjoy every once in a while there will be a meme that comes along or a piece of audio that is just deeply relatable. Mm. And so that was one of my videos that got most of the views. And other than that, it's another thing to add into my life and will get as much energy as that warrants. <laughs> We're all over scheduled, right? Yeah, fair enough. Nick, what do you think about book talk? I'm gonna give Jim a minute to literally cleanse his palate. And Nick, what do you got on book talk for me, man? I'm in the absolutely not never category with this one. It no, it's Chinese. F China. I'm not doing it. I, can't, I just can't. I'm not gonna do it. It's not valuable enough for me. Even if somebody told me I could make a couple sales, if they told me I could make a bunch of sales, I wouldn't believe them personally. I would like to bring up the very valid point that Nick started with, which is that TikTok 
does seem to have been created as a means of gaining access to people's contact lists. Yeah, it's like, I, I mean, quite literally. So if you are uncomfortable with that, that is a very valid thing. And I would do I believe that China should pretty much just die? Yes. Am I also a professional conspiracy theorist? Yes. Does that make me wrong? Absolutely not. I think that there's just a lot of reasons to stay away from crap like this. I mean, but by God, I mean, like, we don't need more social media, right, guys? Like, this isn't something we have to do. Why are we doing it? Now, I get that I write thrillers, and thrillers typically never have a lot of play in new social media things. But we heard the same thing with Instagram. And to this day, I still haven't met a real-life author who actually sells primarily through Instagram. I'm sure there's an exception that proves the rule out there, but book talk is not going to be the thing. Don't waste time with it. I mean, if you want to have fun and you know dick around with videos, whatever, do it. But if you think this is going to be a boon for your career, I strongly believe you're wrong. Will the author formerly known as the juggling author please chime in uh, with his <laughs> thoughts? I just I, I remember just wanted... the juggling author, man. I remember. I read it. All right. Uh, well, thank you. You, you guys what, listen to this can't see it, but Jim juggles the entire time we do this show. It's really hard. Usually um, flaming chainsaws, but today it's it's just like muffins. I didn't sleep great last night. I didn't want to do the chainsaws today. First off, I just want to say that Nick's anti-China opinions do not represent the views of A&W or our parent company, Shanghu Global Chem. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we've been... No place, um, no let me say this about book talk. People said the same shit about Snapchat five years ago, and that turned out not to be true. They said the same stuff about Instagram seven years ago, and that did turn out to be true for a lot of genres. So, like, is book talk going to be the big thing, the next big thing? Maybe. I'm probably not going to use it because for the last decade or so, whenever a new social network comes out, I go on it right away and reserve my name. I have Jim Heskett on Ello. I have Jim Heskett on Vero. I have Jim Heskett on every social platform. But I went on TikTok a couple of weeks ago and someone else had reserved Jim Heskett. So I'm pretty much not going to use it because of that. Because I didn't get that. there first. That yeah, thanks a lot, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, or you have a new mortal enemy. Yeah. yeah. Like 2022 could be the year of you taking down fake yeah. Jim Heskett. TikTok squatting a thing? Like someone's just waiting for you to make them an offer. Talk to squat is going to be the next big thing. <laughs> Thanks, um, R.A. To, to clarify, like I agree with Jim. I don't know if this is going to be the next big thing or not. It seems like it probably will be. I'm just saying I don't think it's ever going to be a viable strategy <clears throat> for selling books, um, it, at least in the thriller and genres that I'm familiar with. Urban fantasy, whatever, like maybe. I just don't know anything about those genres. So don't quote me as it's never going to sell a book for anybody. I don't think it's ever going to be something thriller authors need to worry about. Okay, fair enough. I think we'll... Check in at the end of the year and see if also we, we missed out on anything. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing, a parent company. <laughs> All right, so here's one that I want to stop and take a little bit of time on, okay? And I wish we had the stream recording last week when we chatted about this after we stopped recording, but it's about book pricing. So this says that book prices will increase at written word media. They're big believers in discount promos or free first in book series, but we also see some authors increasing their set prices in 2022. So I had a couple of thoughts about this. Number one was that, and I had put this in the notes that, you know, if we're charging the same amount that we've been charging for four or five years, because of inflation, we're really not making the same money that we used to make on these books. But more importantly, I want to start out with Nick on this one because one, I want to stroke his ego a little bit. But two, mm. 
he launched a new book, a new partner book with Randy Kennedy, and it's at six ninety nine. And that's you don't see a lot of indie books priced at that price. And so I like that. I mean, I think that that's awesome. And so I want to kind of get him to give me his thinking on that. And uh, then we'll kind of chat from there. So, yeah, no, the thinking is pretty simple. I have tested a little bit. I haven't done it recently, but I do think it goes without saying anything you do like this, I think it's worth testing. So if you're thinking about raising prices, don't just raise prices and sit with it, just test it. Do a a three-month test with higher prices or, or lower prices or whatever. But for me, it started back when I first published anything, when I first published my first book. I didn't know anything about the indie world. I just knew that the authors I was targeting turned out to be traditional authors, which, you know, the James Rollins, Clive Cussler's, Dan Brown's, and all of their eBooks were priced at like $14.99, you know, or $15.99. And their, their paperbacks were priced at like $10.99 or $11.99. And so, and what that was, was the, the publishing companies that publish these guys aren't, we're not in the business of selling books. They're in the business of printing dead trees and selling those. And so they wanted to bastardize the sales of their eBooks by making them cost more than their print editions. And there's probably some of the anti-Amazon stuff at play there too. But the whole point was when I came into it, I was looking at those prices going, well, if I'm priced at $6.99, I'm on sale compared to those guys. No one knows who I am. So you know, chances are people will just assume I'm another traditional published author whose eBooks were on sale. So that's what I did. It worked for me. Again, it's hard to compare because I only did it this way. So I don't know if it was better than doing a low-priced ebook at 99 cents. I have no idea because I only did it this way. So uh, fast forward to 2022, and it's a strategy that we use at, at Conundrum when we publish a book is I'm going to price it higher. And that gives us the ability to not only run ads to it because your ROI you know, makes more sense that way, but I can also do promotions later on down the road with those books where I do lower them to 99 cents or 299 or whatever. And that is an abnormal price rather than a low first and series. You have a 99 cent title. There's really effectively no difference psychologically between 99 cents and free. So when you lower that book to free, you may get more people downloading it, but I doubt it. It doesn't really seem like that makes sense. So the numbers move a lot more on BookBub with free than 99 cents. And I try to use that as a free weeding technique for the people that don't want to pay for books. Sure. But I mean, I've done that before too. On a, I've had a 99 cent book uh, first in series with a traditional publisher and they ran a book bub to it and as a free book. And there just weren't nearly the amount of downloads that I got on my other books, which are 6.99 that were now on now for free on book bub. So you can do the same thing on book bub. You can get a free book bub deal, right? But it looks better when your book was 6.99 versus 99 cents. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. Fair. That's all I'm saying. Solid. I'm done saying. Jim, start saying. You know, I have experimented with price changing. And I mean, everything Nick says makes a lot of sense. But in my experience, for me personally, changing the price hasn't really affected my bottom line, especially on later books in a series. Like it seems like pricing on book one is pretty important. But the people that are going to go from book one to book two, it's not going to break them if it's $5.99 instead of $4.99. Yeah. But for me, I mean, my bread and butter has always been Kindle Unlimited. And, you know, I've always heard people say you want to price your book higher because then it looks more attractive on Kindle Unlimited. But in my own test, that didn't bear out to be true. In my own test, it pretty much seems it doesn't really matter what I price my books at. I'm going to move about the same number of copies or, I mean, make about the same amount of money. I price higher. I definitely sell less. Um, Price lower, I sell more. But that KU stream is where I make all my money from anyway. So it doesn't really matter too much to me. When you lower your price, Jim, do you notice you get more sales that then lead to a higher rank and thus even more sales. 
it didn't really bear. I mean, maybe I didn't experiment long enough, but it didn't really bear out like that. Because that's the argument usually of lowering the price is like, well, you know, if more people buy it, even though I'm making the same amount of money, the visibility will increase because, you know, over time, eventually, because more people are buying it, which great. So I don't know. I was just curious about that. I didn't know if that, if you had noticed that. Well, I'm planning to raise my prices again. I'm running some sales right now, so I don't want to mess around with prices. But when that's done, I'm going to raise all my prices generally, everything up a dollar, and then run some tests on that for maybe six months or so. You know, leave it like that for a good long stretch of time and see how that affects anything. Noise. Noise. So I have series in multiple different subgenres. My epic fantasy series the number of units moved does not seem to vary according to price. So they're at $6.99 right now. Urban fantasy and sci-fi do seem to be reactive to price. So they're around $2.99 or $3.99 per installment. It is also true that my epic fantasy runs around $150K. So like $2.99 for one of those or $0.99 for one of those is really a disservice to the amount of hours Mm -hmm. and amount of book, which I have no inherent problem with pricing books free or a free person series or anything like that but those are a lot more book than my sci-fi ones the only thing i've found with pricing is that no two authors seem to have things work quite the same way so just to approach pricing from a very curious perspective like nick said take time to do the experiment do not just do that for a week or two weeks or even just a month. You never know if you're going to be in a down month or anything like that. So run those tests, give them a legitimate chance to work and go from there. That sounds good. That sounds good. For my own part in this, I'm raising all my prices and I'm going to leave them there forever. And all the new readers that I drive with ads are going to like the price and they're going to buy it because they like the books. So that's what I'm telling myself. All right. So next thing here, let's see. We've got more success for small presses. It's hard to succinctly explain the differences in approach between traditional publishing and indie publishing, but Mark Leslie Lefave does a great job breaking down the two sides to the industry. Whatever. I'm not going to read all the stuff that he says. He's a nice guy. He bought me a drink at 20 books a couple years ago, but I don't want to read all that right now. I don't have the energy for it. So, um, <laughs> You guys, Nick, I guess you would classify Conundrum as a small press. Definitely not a large one. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I didn't know if you, what are the other things that people call like hybrid stuff? No, it's, it's traditional. Our authors won't pay anything out of pocket. So it's not hybrid. It's not vanity. No. Yeah. Okay. So what do you guys think? Are you guys, okay, let's not ask Nick. Let's ask Pippa. Let's ask Jim. All right. Let's ask Jim. What would a small press have to do? in 2022 to excite you to join them to Ooh. incite you to join them to make you all hot and bothered no and that's a great question first of all very transparent terms mm-hmm. i don't want to have to spend a thousand dollars on attorney fees just to read the contract mm. what would make me excited about it Woo! a proven track record already um a marketing plan you know a specific plan to say how they are going to market my book specifically i would want to know that i am not just one of many many authors in a stable who might get attention you know what what stuck out to me in this article was a little bit down they got some quotes from mark dawson and dawson says lots of options are available for those authors who are interested in writing but not marketing And that is like, you know, Mark's a smart guy because he knows that's the thing that every author wants to hear. 
-hmm. Every single author wants to hear, don't you just want to write? You don't want to market? Come sign with my imprint. And I think that sounds amazing and it sounds really romantic and great. And I can just write and they'll just sell it all. And I think probably Dawson's imprint Fuse Books can do that when they have 10 authors in their stable. But when they have 50 authors in their stable, when they have 100 authors in their stable, are they really going to give every single book that kind of attention? No, what's going to happen is they're going to say, okay, look, we have this amount of money. We're going to put it toward marketing the books we think are going to sell the best already. Mm-hmm. And then we just recreate traditional publishing inside of indie publishing at that point. And then we'll go, oh, crap, what did we do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it'll be too late then. <laughs> what, what about you, Pippa? What could a small press do to entice you to join them? I think it would be very similar to what Jim said. I need there to be an explicit trade-off where the amount of money I am surrendering by paying something to the small press or having them take some of the royalties is clearly being spent well. So they're doing something better than I could do it and for a roughly comparable price. And so it would make my life simpler and I know that I'm not leaving a lot of money on the table. Okay, right on. And so Nick, as the owner of a fledgling small press, what kind of things are you going to be doing in 2022 to make yourself seem like a viable option in a world where there's all kinds of crazy options? Buying people a lot of drinks, very opaque <laughs> contracts. They signed the drink. Coercion, <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's all very simple, guys. This is business one-on-one. Is the hookers and blow still on the table <laughs> from the Vegas? Come on over here to conundrum, everybody. You know, um, no, you, Jim and Pippa nailed it, man. Like, I am an indie author, so I mean, I hope it goes without saying that. Like, when we started Conundrum, the whole idea was like, hey, let's not be like the other traditional publishers. Let's figure out why it's broken and fix it. In, in advertising, I'm putting inside of marketing, but a marketing at large, seems to be the biggest failing of especially small traditional imprints. And the way we're fixing it is by putting our money where our mouth is, you know, like Jim said, a marketing plan, like, well, yeah, we've got that. And every author that goes through, uh, now we don't put it in a contract. I'm not going to contractually obligate us to spend money in a certain place, a certain amount, because that changes. But we absolutely reserve funds. It's about 25 to 30% of our portion of the royalty. Again, because the author is not paying for anything, specifically for advertising and specifically for Amazon advertising, which I have figured out how to do relatively well for thrillers, which is why we only publish thrillers. So right off the bat, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm not going to tell you I know how to promote and sell your sci-fi novel because I don't. I don't really know how to do that. I've written sci-fi and there's a reason none of you have read it. But my thrillers, on the other hand, if I have a good book and if I have things in place like the structure of the novel and it's marketable and sellable really well, and I think Conundrum's process gets the books to that point, far better than an indie author could do on their own. It's the absolute best version of that book possible. And we're going to run ads to it. And if it has any chance of success, it's going to be with us because we know how to do all those things pretty well. And the track record is my own books, some of the co-written books we've worked with. You know, We've just been honing this process for a while. So anyway, I'm not here to you know pitch it, but I do think that you know Jim nailed it. Like That's what authors want to see. If they're just going to be writing and they're giving up half the royalties to some company to do the marketing, well, then that company has to sell twice as much as that author could do by themselves just to break even with that author. Does that make sense, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where, where we're, we're coming in saying, like, I think we can do that. Uh, we're not, not going to promise anything, but I think we can do that. And I think that's what is broken with traditional. Most traditional publishers you talk to, you get the sense that they think they're bringing magical editing 
and magical cover design to the game. And I'm like, bro, all of us can do that already as indies. I can go buy vellum and lay out my book just as well as you can. And many of us do. And so that's the difference between traditional and indie has to be something in the marketing realm. It has to be. Of course, we want to have good terms. I want to be transparent. I think we have a great contract. Like all that stuff is true and should be true for any traditional publisher. But the big differentiator is the marketing. All right. Good times. Good times. So what do you think, Pippa and Jim? You guys uh, going to give me all your books now? <laughs> yeah, you uh, you run with that epic fantasy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I bet we could do great in epic fantasy. <laughs> it's like hobbits and stuff, right? <laughs> Eight points of view. Gigantic hobbits. They're One world-ending catastrophe. <laughs> okay. All right. Good times. So Here's the next story. I don't even want to say this because I hate the word inclusive. Mm. Advertising becomes more inclusive. What a, not, you know, I can't, I'm, this is not the place for this. Um, <laughs> advertisers are learning that including a diverse representation of people and language is what consumers want. And authors are no different, says Kathleen Sweeney of Book Brush. I'm going to just ask you guys what your take is on this and I'm going to sit idly in the corner although i will say that ever since i read this and became slightly enraged at the word inclusive i've been seeing this in all kinds of advertising now it's like the world knows like i saw something earlier today that said a thriller with a solve a thriller with like a neurodivergent um hero or something and it was like i never would really see stuff like that before but i think that's an instance of the kind of stuff that they're talking about so what do you guys think about Somebody talk. Somebody talk. About <laughs> Pippa, talk about this year, please. <laughs> uh, okay. I would say generally what I hope we're going for in the author community is we're getting not a more diverse set of like advertisements, but that we're getting wider group of creators that are rising to the top because self-publishing itself had a huge amount of success in places that traditional publishing swore there weren't readers. And so, for instance, romances featuring women of color were one of those places that people could not get traditional publishers to publish them. And sure enough, huge amounts of those books moved. And so I think letting the market actually speak instead of what their traditional publishers think the market is, is part of the big draw of self-publishing. And I think so it, it's happening fairly naturally in that way. Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing is different voices than what traditional publishing has given us as readers in the past. And I think all this is a reflection of society because society, we are society, right? And society is producing stuff for society. So I think we're seeing that reflected in books and in publishing. We have readers who want to read about a character who looks like them or is like them in whatever you know category that is. And I think it's good, it's largely good because it prevents... Well, the term is whitewashing, right? It prevents this categorization of every single thriller hero looking the same and acting the same and being the same, because that's boring, honestly. I'm a white guy, and so I don't have any skin in the game as far as wanting to write characters who look like me and act like me, because I am me, and that's all I can write. That's all I can really offer if I'm going to go that route. I'm definitely not going to try to pass myself off like some of our previous episodes of a trench coat wearing three author hybrid who writes as a woman, like, I'm not going to do that because that's lying. And, you know, I just don't need to do that. But I also think that I can separate pushing an agenda from pushing a really good book. And so I'm hoping that I don't have an agenda going into this world of writing diverse characters. 
and more writing the book that needs to be written. You know, if there's a character who needs to be black, I'm going to write them and they're, they're a black guy or a black girl. But I don't think that it's ever going to come down to writing something from a voice of a different cultural perspective than the one that I have. So I don't know. The answer to me is I really don't know what I'm going to do or what we all need to do. But I think this is a good push toward inclusivity and making people feel like they're represented well. Dude, I just uh, I just pictured you like hanging out in Compton or something, like trying to <laughs> like a like a notebook, trying to like yeah. like. Hmm. That's what I was laughing at. You were just like, it's not er, it's just an yeah, a. Yeah, it's an a. What you said, cap? What does cap mean? Will you tell me, cap? That's so strange. It's not the thing on your. Okay, continue. Three weeks from now on AW, like so, Nick got shot. Go ahead, gangsta. <laughs> I love it so much. Jim, what what are you what are you the Malibu's most wanted? <laughs> His name's Carl, you picture him. That's how I'm gonna write it from now on. I like it, man. He had um, hair. He was a human with legs and arms. So this little thing here about the section about advertising becoming more inclusive is four sentences, and one of the sentences has nothing to do with inclusivity. It says, with increases in online privacy and decreases in ad tracking capability, ad messaging and creative will become the true differentiating factor rather than targeting and timing. I think this is 100% true. I think in the next, I don't know if it's going to happen in 22, but in the next few years, I think as a whole, the human population is going to start to think about and understand privacy because we all kind of ran into the internet headfirst and we're like, oh, look, that cat wants a cheeseburger. That's so cute. And, you know, we all arrived on the internet without really thinking of the consequences. And now all of our personal information is all over the world and being bought and sold every minute. And I think people are going to really start to understand that over the next few years. And so when it says, you know, targeting and timing isn't going to be as important as the quality of your content. Remember like four years ago when the sky was falling at Facebook because Facebook said, hey, we're not going to promote pages as much. And everybody freaked the F out and thought, oh, God, Facebook ads aren't going to work. Social media is dead. It's not going to happen. For me, my Facebook reach exploded right around then. Like my Facebook reach went from, you know, like maybe three to five percent of my likes seeing stuff to more like 20 to 30 percent of my likes seeing stuff because I made a conscious effort to think about the stuff I was creating because Facebook said at the time, you know, we want to put out stuff that engages people. And so I sat and thought about it. What would engage my readers? And I started putting effort in making that kind of content. And, you know, the sky didn't fall for me. It actually got way better when that happened. Because all those people who had all those pages that were getting promoted and they weren't putting out the effort to engage, those pages all sunk down in the ranks. And pages like mine, where it was engaging, went up. Yeah. Like, I remember... On the one hand, you know, reading those things about advertising, and I didn't know jack about advertising at the time. So it's like, ah, well, crap, this is going to be more difficult. But also, as someone who was on Facebook, advertised pages were, I want to say, at least every second, probably two out of three pages that I was seeing, like as I was scrolling down through my posts. And so, from a user perspective, that was kind of nice. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, right on. Well, that sounds uh, that sounds pretty good, guys. I think we'll come up to a good time here. We'll uh, just let these other ones fall by the wayside, do something different next week. So uh, you guys got anything you want to add 
I do. There's one more sure. point about inclusivity I wanted to make. Uh, sure, now, that yeah. I know, now that I know how RA feels about it, I'm going to set mm. up a Google News alert on the word and forward mm. it to your email address. Oh, <laughs> Everything to do with oh. inclusivity is coming straight to your inbox, D- RA. Dude, I'm going to have Be a better to, person. I'm going to have to nuke my inbox. Jim, What's your Jim. like reason you didn't talk about why you hate inclusivity? I feel like it's oftentimes just a meaningless buzzword. And it's not actually used by people who are trying to solve any kind of problem. They're just gotcha. using it to kind of make themselves look like, look how good I am and look how much I'm doing, you know? Feels like virtue signaling. Yeah, I just don't like it, man. I mean, look, I'm a black dude, you know what I mean? And my what? characters, yeah, I know, I know. And my <laughs> characters, my main characters always look like me just because that's what I write, right? But like, I don't use it in advertising. That's not what I do it for. I do it because that's the way it is. That's the way they come out. And I don't like ring the bell trying to chum the waters for people. I could rant on about this. I Join just, our Patreon for RA's full 60-minute rant about this topic. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I probably have it all in me, dude. Nick's going to buy him a beer, and RA's just going to rant and then sign. Mm, done there. At the end done of it. That. Done there, done that. <laughs> but yeah, true. I, it I do. It, like sort of collecting what everyone said, including RA. Just I don't want it to be inclusive, as in like, we, the white people of publishing, have decided to throw a line it's like right. no yeah. we're right de-whitewashing an industry right. that's been very whitewashed well and that's often my issue is like i don't want like okay when they say oh we're gonna make the human torch a black character i don't want that right the human torch is a white guy if you want to make an awesome black character make an awesome black character that's how you get spawn and blade and bishop and night thrasher and storm black panther that's how you get these characters you don't just Oh, we'll just take that, you know. Oh, we're going to make 007. Look, I love Idris Elba. I think he's amazing, right? But when they're saying we're going to make Idris Elba 007, I go, I don't want that. I want 007 to be 007. Now, if you want to make a 003 and he's Idris Elba and he's amazing, then I'm all over that. Like, let's do it, man. You know, I think people deserve, characters deserve more, like segments of the population deserve more effort than just getting like token appreciation from people. That's yeah, my, know, that's my point that. about it. I think it comes across lazy, right? It's like, well, we're just going to write this good story, but then we're just going to like literally put the literally version of blackface on, you know, this white guy. Right. But that's not right. You know, that's, of course, nobody wants right. that. I'm not a fan. But then, you know, you have people like, you know, ostensibly James Patterson wrote Alex Cross, right? Yeah. Right. And he's just a black guy who's doing cop right. stuff. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, let's take Jack Reacher and he's going to be black now for the rest of the series. Like it. I don't know. Don't get me started, please, guys. I don't want to ruin. <laughs> we have three listeners right now, and I'll run them all off. So, no, all I right. think properly leveraged, this could be a definite draw to our Patreon. Okay. Like well. RA's full uncensored rant. We're still recording, FYI. Yeah, that's <laughs> improperly, <fine>. improperly leveraged. <laughs> uh, we're all canceled by tomorrow. So. <laughs> you guys are canceled. They can't, well, that's cancel. Yeah, like, they uh, can't cancel me, right? <laughs> because that's the way the world works now. I can't get in trouble. So. In any event, all right, so if we got nothing else to say, and thank God I don't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm R.A. McGee for all of us at Author News Weekly saying this meeting is over. Goodbye, everybody.